toleration be the love before pride and exaltation be the love be the love you are listening to be the love to awaken our souls we are souls on the journey and our mission is to awaken all humans to a higher state of consciousness and live vibrantly as spiritual beings We are here to open up the conversation to heal, awaken, and connect ourselves and the planet to a higher vibration of love frequency. I am Stacey Musial. And I am Brenda Carey. And we are your co-hosts at Be The Love Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and ascending with us. It starts with you. Everything you need is within you. This is your time. This is Adrienne Elise of the Supernova Soul Tribe. This is Nicholas David Mann. Namaste. My name is Nistella Joy Davy. This is Ron Interpreter, and you're listening to Be the Love Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Be the Love to Awaken Our Souls. Thank you again so much for tuning in this week. I'm Stacey Musial. And I am Brenda Carey with our special guest, Anastasia Darashpur. We are your co-hosts and souls on the journey, and we would like to thank our Patreon supporters for allowing this weekly conscious conversation. We are so grateful for all the support we have received with the monthly donations on Patreon, the five-star written reviews on iTunes and Spotify, and the connection within our Awakening Souls Facebook community. We are on a mission to raise the consciousness of humans and the planet, and we need your help. Please spread the word to your family and friends and join us every week. And if you like what you hear, support us in a way that raises your vibration to love. And if it feels safe for you, I'd like to begin by inviting you to take a moment and get centered with us. I'd like to begin by inviting you to take a beautiful cleansing breath in through your nose and out through your mouth, releasing anything that's keeping you from being present. And take another breath in through your nose, breathing in calm, peaceful, loving energy, and breathing out anything you're ready to release in this now moment. And take one more breath in through your nose, breathing in light and love for yourself, And breathing out that light and love and imagine sending it back to all of humanity, remembering that you always, always have your breath to come back to. Our guest today is Anastasia Dadashpur. Anastasia has studied various mechanisms of making change since she was a child. Growing up in a multicultural and acutely political family, she was introduced to a multitude of ideas about the functioning of society. She has been committed to understanding the world through exploring it. Anastasia has traveled to close to 50 countries and enjoys being a cultural ambassador. She has worked in the nonprofit sector for many years, supporting women in Central America through microloans and cross-cultural communication, education, and creative expression in diverse populations in the United States. As a part of the Denver Council on Foreign Relations, she established education for young professionals in Colorado to become more aware and engaged in international issues. 
Over the last decade, Anastasia has been most interested in understanding each other better through the art of curiosity and communication. She has become a facilitator of Unitive Justice, a community dialogue process used to de-escalate conflict. All the while, Anastasia has sought to cultivate an ongoing investigation into the nature and potency of the human spirit. She has been influenced by Kundalini Yoga, Vipassana meditation, and ecstatic dance. She hopes to develop the work in her book into a dance festival in Jordan, bringing regional neighbors together. She is the proud mother of two daughters, Azaria, who is in spirit, and Isabella, who is her greatest joy. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Anastasia. It is beyond my pleasure to be with you both. Thank you for inviting me. Mm, thank you. And can you tell us, you sound like you have this amazing eclectic journey and what has led you down this spiritual path? Wow. I, um, I just, I think that curiosity pulls me and calls me wherever I belong. And so as a young person, um, I was, I was curious about how different people live in this world and also about different people's relationship with spirit. And so I traveled, um, quite a bit as a young person in Asia and Central America, uh, a bit in Africa and really wanted to know, how culture, politics, language, identity, landscape, environment, and spirit all interplay together. And so just deep conversations, deep listening, uh, deep listening to the land and different people explaining what their lives look like. And so, and that led me to, into journalism. I was a journalist for a while, and then that led me into my graduate work looking at peace and conflict and human rights in the Middle East. So um, I just continue to be curious about the essence of life for people and, um, and what brings us peace personally and what brings us peace within communities. Mm. That's really beautiful and just sounds like such a, a beautiful journey to really not only look at, you know, how we contribute to the world around us, but how other people, other cultures are living and, and how, you know, maybe that, that conflict, you know, has been impacting the way people live and, and maybe creating how we can create change with that by looking at the big picture. And I'm wondering if you can maybe talk a little bit more about some of the the conflicts you've seen and what you have witnessed in, in some of those other cultures. Well, the reason I wrote my book, Love Emanuel for Humanity, is the connective juice that holds us all together outside of identity, culture, religion, language is love. Our capacity to know, understand, and communicate love. This is something that doesn't need to be taught. It is authentic to each being on this planet. And so when conflict arises, I think that ultimately the connective tissue that brings people back together is the awareness that, that love is a unitive principle. And so if we can meet inside of love, 
and not to say bypass identity, because I understand that that's very, very important to our, our beings, um, our egos on this planet, but to stay in that, that, that center that, that we can connect with. That's where I think peace is possible. Mm. And when we, when we agree to that, then we create a more beautiful world. Yes, thank you for that. And I would love for you to bring some clarity around this concept of love, because I think a lot of people look at it in terms of the, I would say, like more ego-based romantic love that we see in movies and media. Um, but it sounds like you are, you're talking more about like unconditional love. Can you kind of give us a, a picture of the difference between the two and, and the, the unconditional love that you are speaking to? Thank you so much for that question. That is a point I really, really like to, um, to speak to. So yes, romantic love is beautiful. Thank you for all awareness that it exists and um, how beautiful it is when it pierces our heart and allows us to, to open greater to each other. And you're right, no, that is not exactly what I'm talking about here. I am talking about our relationship to universal force, our relationship to our most authentic nature that really only exists inside of us. It has nothing to do with the outside world. It is, it's our purest nature. And I believe that some people call it God. I think love is God and God is love. Um, or Einstein calls it the most powerful force in the universe. So it, it is that connective tissue, like I was saying that that we can meet in the center, but it, it's not a conditional thing. If you look a certain way, if you act a certain way, then I can give it to you. It's, it's that, that, that essence that lives inside of us that we, once we tap into it, we can expand it and actually harness that potency inside of us and expand it into our world, into our work, into our communications, into our actions in the world. And that expansion is that, that connective force that I think is going to, or has the potentiality to, to give us awareness to live in a better world and, mm -hmm. and, and be in communication with each other in a, a more potent way. That's really beautiful. And, and recognizing how we really are all love and being able to tap into that energy, you know, is, can seem maybe foreign for some people. And so I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit more about one, how, or what do you mean by living inside of love and how do we tap into that energy? Oh my gosh, y'all's questions are so good. So that's what the book is about. I have 38 lessons on how to tap into the essence of love, how to, how to find it. And then each of the lessons is to be so comfortable in this awareness of what feels like inside of your body that you can stay there, stay there for a minute, five minutes, five hours, five days, you know, really, really being able to find it when you're driving, when you're in the grocery store, where you're parenting, when you're working, when you're challenged, 
um, to be able to, because it's a, it's a channel. It's like you tap the channel, you put on the channel and whew, there you are, you are inside of love. And so once we, we have this awareness of, of what that feels like in our body, then, then we can access it all the time and become it. We can become a conduit of it. Our bodies become the action oriented mechanisms through which love exists and shows itself on this planet. And so all of my activism and political understanding that I've, I've created in my life leads me to this place where it's not, peace is not going to come from outside of us. Peace is going to be created inside of us with one another. When we see one another in our truest nature, that's where peace happens. It's not going to come from diplomats or politicians or bankers or NGOs. Thank God for some of the progress that those institutions have made. And look where we are. We have a lot more work to do. And so if people across the globe can wake up to this essence that is their, their birthright to know themselves as loving beings, then when that awareness spreads across the globe, then politicians, bankers, teachers, parents, we will all do our jobs inside of the consciousness of ourselves and other as as this larger framework of together we can create a better world so that's that's my that my peacemaker thinking mm -hmm. but bigger than just the one but as the collective unit unified one yes i i am um, i'm gonna have to listen to this podcast and listen to that just this last section again because i'm like oh peace starts inside of us and I mean, I'm pointing the finger at myself when I when I say, you know, so often we're looking for it outside of ourselves to, to comfort us because we're not feeling it on the inside. But ultimately, as an individual, we find peace within ourselves and then we collectively spread that to out into humanity. And so thank you for sharing that perspective. I think that will definitely need to be heard by me again mm -hmm. um, and by, by our listeners for sure. And you mentioned this collective. So tell us how we can collective, collectively create um, peace or alternatives to war and stay committed to these peaceful solutions because it can be so easy to fall into old habits of anger and lashing out and just, you know, revenge even. Um, so how can we begin to shift this paradigm into a more collective consciousness? So I'll give you an example. Great. I was invited to do this unit of justice work um, uh, in Israel with a group called Bereaved Parents, uh, the Israeli-Palestinian Bereaved Parents Association and parents who had lost their children to the conflict of the other came together and looked each other in the face and just got real just got real about their experience of losing a child and they felt god this makes me want to cry they found because i'm also a bereaved parent and that's why this invitation to work with them was such a, a an honor 
to realize that their pain was the same. Their pain didn't have borders and it didn't have languages and it didn't have historical identities or religious divisions. The pain is the same and love is the same. That pain is caused by their love of their children. And that love of their children isn't gonna be supported by a hate. The outcome of that love and that pain did not actually make things better when hate was the Band-Aid. And so these parents, they had the courage to open their hearts, open their eyes, open their arms, and realize that, that the division separating them didn't actually do them any favors. And so coming together, they were able to honor their children in a deeper way. And that has brought me so much faith and courage in what's possible. These parents, I mean, can you imagine? Wow. I mean, they are the true superheroes. Oh, that's absolutely beautiful. And to recognize, you know, we're all on a journey. The human experience is, you know, something that is just so beautiful and sovereign. And to recognize that, you know, there's duality in, in these emotions that we have. There's pain and there's pleasure, the, you know, and, and so if we can really understand each other in that way that, you know, some of these hurts that people are expressing outward are, is just an inward battle that, you know, or those emotions that maybe they're feeling separate. And there's this illusion of separation that we have to go through things alone. And, but to recognize that, yeah, that pain can also bring us together in, you know, a beautiful way to love and support. And when we can come together and let go of the need or that the control, you know, outside of ourselves and, and to recognize there is no real separation that we are all in, in this together, we can help support each other. And I'm just curious too, like, you know, because you've been on such this journey, this beautiful journey, and it sounds like you've had your your own experiences with pain and coming into this place with love. And I'm just curious, like how how did you come to this understanding? It's a mystery. It's I mean, yes, I lost my daughter Azaria in 2008, and um, it cracked me up open like a like a mirror, shattering into a million shards of glass. I mean, I was completely disembodied in every single way. And it took me a while to rebuild even in any kind of understanding that I was a human being inside of a body. Um, and then, and then I realized that Azaria was with me all the time. Mm. She had never left me and that she actually lived inside of me and that her spirit was around me. She had never left me. In fact, I was, I wasn't able to parent a body but I was able to actually have a deeper relationship with my daughter as a spirit. And so she's guided me uh, quite a bit in my work and my life. And there's a period where I call myself a puppet and she was my puppeteer. She would tell me, 
where to go, what to say, who to meet, where, when to go, what to do, you know? And um, the more I would allow that to flow through me, uh, the more synchronicity I would find in my life. And I write about some of those examples in my book that you just, I mean, unimaginable <laughs> things yeah. that I'm like, wow, this could never possibly be a mistake. This is absolutely miraculously coordinated. And the work was also basically just it came through me. I mean, it came through me. I could say it was channeled, but I didn't intend to channel it. Um, it came through in my dream space between my kind of that liminal waking and dreaming space. And the information was so thick and full and complete that I needed to write it down. So I would, as I said, I was a journalist. I've journaled all over through my life and all over the world. So I, I love writing and I love expression. Sculpting with words is what I call it. And so I would get up in the middle of the night and I would just write down these ideas and uh, free flow. And that was the sketch of the book. And then I think this is a hilarious part of the story. I took myself so seriously as an academic and a potential diplomat that I was like, I can never publish this. This is, this is just about love. It's, it's going to invalidate my, my credentials no one will take me seriously if I actually put my name on it. And it oh. wasn't until um, COVID that I realized everything has changed and what the world really needs is love. And this is the most potent form of diplomacy. Mm. This is actually the greatest gift I could give humanity. This is the, the work that I can stand behind beyond any other. And so overcoming my own silly ego conflicts, but that took me a long time. It took me six years to get over that, that preconceived belief that this was not valid work. And now I realized it's, it's the essence of why I'm here on this planet. Mm, wow. I love how you, you worked through these kind of contradictory what's valid or what's, you know, invalid. So is, is this the um, love illusion that you're referring to? Um, that you're discussing uh, within your book and how the the book came through your dreams with, I love how you said sculpted with words. Word, mm -hmm. is that, I love that. I'm, I'm going to write that in my journal. Um, <laughs> I love that, the imagery of that. So is, is this what you're referring to, the love illusion? So the love illusion is, you know, we think about historically revolutions being uh, uprisings, violent uprisings that involved, you know, hurting each other is the inevitable outcome of that. And um, evolution is our potentiality, where we want to go, where we want to, that's, that's the anchor. And the love evolution is the bridge. It's how we create revolution. We are revolutionaries together from the place of love, from our hearts, our hearts beating together, coordinated. This is how we are going to make the revolutionary change into evolution. 
And so it's not a coordinated effort at this time. I would love to have partnership in creating something. I don't even know exactly what it is, or maybe there's other people creating a levolution. And I'd love to support just giving people more skills to, to connect around love, this divine love and share it. And what's most important for me is the action, the action of love how we show love, how we express love, how we are love, bringing love as action into the world, using our bodies as vessels to, to act love. Can you speak more into that? Because I think for many people, they think of love, even unconditional love as a concept. And so I, I definitely agree with you. I think it does need to be acted upon. Can you give us examples or share a story of how you see this sort of the evolution being this transformative um, effort of, of action from not just a state of being, but bringing it out into the world? Well, let's take law enforcement. That's been, you know, there's been a huge action around uh, defund the police. Okay, say if we took law enforcement to its essence, down to its essence, what is it? It's protecting society. And so it's not actually law enforcement that is hurting people. It is the action of how that is constructed in our current paradigm. So if, say for instance, let's imagine a squad of law enforcement acting inside of love. I mean, can we even imagine that? The job is the same. Maybe the outfits are the same. Maybe the job requirements are the same. But the action, the space from which that action comes, the consciousness, the awareness inside of the actors changes. And in that action, the outcome changes. Say, for instance, politicians the people that shape the laws that govern us. What if those humans were fully potentized with love, truly the essence of love, did their job inside of the awareness of love? What would our society look like? Who would we be? What would the world be? What if our banking system, our educational systems, our transportation systems, our educational systems, our legal, our medical systems, if those systems were governed by conscious individuals maintaining those systems in an entirely different heart-based consciousness. So when we allow ourselves to imagine the possibilities, it's a very different paradigm than oh my God, it's so bad and it's awful. It's da, 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 whatever you want to think about it. You know, the challenges of climate change. I mean, there's so many different things that we could live in fear about, which are completely valid. And if we turn it around and think about solutions, how are we going to change it? How are we going to change what is currently happening on this planet? 
Yeah, I think that's, you know, our society, you know, the systems really need a restructuring. And I feel like, you know, some systems are starting to break down and it's, you know, this process of evolution and, and how it's, you know, happening. But absolutely, I think if we can come from a place of love within these systems, we can really, you know, start to to shift things, you know, and the whatever, you know, is underlying the control or, you know, the, the systems now and moving into a place of love can be just a powerful shift that our, our universe, our society, our cultures, you know, can really work to help support. And I think it just takes, you know, people coming together, you know, such as yourself and, you know, the people with the same mindset and understanding. And even if there isn't that understanding, I think, sometimes if we have the intention to come to an understanding we can begin to shift our energy into recognizing what this you know unconditional love really is and and so i'm wondering if you can you know you mentioned you know your book love a manual for humanity which i love that name and i think it, it sounds like something someone everyone should be reading right and so i'm just wondering if you can talk about maybe a few exercises that people can begin to start tapping into that energy so that they can start to shift their own energy into this vibration of love. Excellent. Um, so my first chapter is I see you, and this is so potent. I've done it with a number of different groups and, um, oh, wow. <laughs> I have tears of guests and audience members every single time. I mean, people really just blown open. So simply the act of, I ask people to either do this with an, a partner or by themselves in the mirror. And I actually think it's potent to do both. I think both are equally powerful and a little bit different. So let's take, for instance, looking yourself in the mirror and really accepting who that person is, seeing that person truly for who they are a little ugly, a little beautiful, and everything in between. There's no perfect person that has a, hum a, a body on this planet. If we did, we'd be spirit. So we're all working through these challenges of hearts and minds and feelings and desires and all of those things. So looking in the mirror and really giving yourself love, really allowing yourself to give and simultaneously receive the love inside of yourself, like feeling, feeling I, I can love myself and I will love myself. I will make that decision for the betterment of myself hmm. and really staying committed to how does that feel inside of your body? Like really having awareness, you know, getting familiar with that feeling. And then doing it with someone else, being able to see the other person as a pure conduit of light, that that person in front of you is love. Okay, they, they have problems, sure, we all do. <laughs> but, but really just seeing the truest essence, seeing the God or the goddess inside of the person in front of you mm. and acknowledging that to be true. That 
really initiates that feeling of unconditional love. And again, having that reciprocal force of feeling the love directed out at someone else. And then having that person looking back at you and doing the same and allowing that receptive part of you to experience receiving unconditional love, source love. It doesn't, there, there's nothing lost in the giving of it, nor is there anything gained from the receiving of it. It just is the conscious of awareness of what already exists inside of you. So that's where I start the book and the exercises, of course, you know, do a certain amount of minutes. And, you know, there's some mantras that I, I put in there about what you can say to other or yourself. And then the practices now take that into the grocery store, take that into work, take that into your family, take that into, you know, your daily experience where you get to practice it and see what the feedback is. And so the feedback loop is when you do it, it comes back to you and inspires you to do it more. And so that's the synchronicity of having a more, more beautiful life, really personally, but also influencing your world with the expression of love. I mean, how awesome is it when you're walking down the street and someone just smiles at you for no reason? like a really beautiful, sweet, authentic smile. It's like, mm -hmm. it's like a kiss of heaven. It's like so great. You didn't even do anything for it. It's just like, ah. Oh. Those practices all sound just amazingly powerful. Your book sounds like it is a collection of just powerful practices. And do those, some of those practices come from your own personal practice of, you mentioned Vipassana meditation in the bio, ecstatic dance, Kundalini yoga. Are some of those derived from there? You know, not necessarily. I mean, again, this came through me as basically a unit. And even to the point where my mother was helping me edit and she wanted to ch change some words. And I was like, no, this is the, this is how it came in. This is the language this I need to stay committed. So no, I, I, I certainly think that this work is informed by my experience in this lifetime. And some of the practices I don't think are unique to this book, but, but no, the, it, it all came in as a unit. Um, each of the practices and each of the lessons is unique. I mean, you can mix and match. It doesn't have to go in a consecutive order, but together it was um, a complete piece. So, so no, I didn't, I didn't take specifically from any one tradition. I just love to how you talk about, you know, the first practice is seeing yourself and coming into that place of self-love and, you know, and recognizing and honoring all the ugly, the beautiful and everything in between, because, you know, we, I think there's a message out there, you know, that we have to be perfect and we're flawed if we have this body type or that body type or this, you know, and so, but to coming to a place of, you know, loving all that is within us is a really powerful shift. And so I'm wondering if you have any thoughts or 
any suggestions for people who who are really just starting out with trying to love all of themselves and you know they struggle with that the the harder parts that they've you know been maybe they've put down been put down for or have like that self negative self talk and and so there's some energy blocks that can sometimes make it hard for people to get there right away so is there anything that you would suggest for someone who's struggling with that piece Wow. This, um, that question is so perfectly timed because I was dancing. I had a, um, I was in my ecstatic dance community last night and, uh, I had a huge revelation, which was, I, I think it was sourced from Eckhart Tolle's, uh, you know, be here now, nothing exists outside of the moment, this precise moment. And the revelation for me was there's no pain and no suffering that exists in the past that we don't continue to perpetuate in this moment. So the only suffering that actually persists is that which we allow to persist in this moment. And so the same is true with love. If we choose love again and again, and again, and again, and over and over and over. If we continue to choose love each moment, a microsecond, and which mean, come, develops into a minute, it's exponential because the feeling of holding love inside of your body, it's the most beautiful thing that you can find. Mm -hmm. And so once you find it, even for a microsecond, that loving feeling, not dependent on anything outside of yourself, but only the gift that you can give to yourself, your divine spirit, allowing you to fully, fully be in your highest capacity. I don't want to say addictive, that has too much charge around it, but it's high, it's a, it's a feeling that's highly desirable and you will want to choose it again and again. Yeah. And I find too that, you know, love, like when you can start tapping into that, that deep, profound love, it's expansive. So once you start to really tap into that, it begins to expand and you, you are going to want to tap into it more and more. And it does help to shift that energy, even if there's maybe patterns of you know, that self-talk or, you know, those emotions, it's, it's, everything is energy. And so the emotional patterns that people find themselves stuck in, that's just energy too. And so we can transmute that through love and the expansiveness of love and allowing that feeling to grow, uh, I find to be a really powerful experience. Most definitely. A reset. You know, mm -hmm. if you know where to find the reset button, mm -hmm. then you can choose that reset button mm -hmm. as often as you want. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I then love... the muscles become stronger. You're, yes. you're like, oh, I, okay, I know where to find this and I know how to sustain it. Mm -hmm. Yes. It does become a practice and a habit, even a good habit to cultivate throughout the whole, the whole, our whole day to give us that recharge or reset like you had mentioned, such a beautiful practice. Um, just switching gears just a little bit, um, before we hit uh, record, you mentioned that you live part-time in Costa Rica, is that correct? I do, I do. Yeah. Um, Tell us about that. Thank you so much. I was 
called to Costa Rica in November of 2020. My father uh, took his own life in July 27th of 2020. And I was totally devastated. And once for some reason, I don't know where or why, I just was called to Costa Rica. And so I traveled and did yoga every day, ate ceviche every day, and just sat on the beach and breathed and had the waves come and cleanse my being of all of the pain and sadness and all that I was going through. And, and all of a sudden I found this hotel, this tiny, it's not tiny, it's a six bedroom boutique hotel in Costa Rica. And my father gave me the financial opportunity, his passing gave me the financial opportunity to now be the proprietor of this beautiful space. It's called Sunshine Sanctuary. And I have been hosting kirtan and ecstatic dance and yoga. We have a great program there. I just, uh, I'm, I'm in between the ocean and this gorgeous world-class three-tier waterfall and there's a huge hanging bridge it's just beautiful it's just it's a marvel it, it's such a miracle to me that 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 was part of my my life's path I did not have any idea that was gonna happen but um now I get to do an international parenting dance with my daughter and my ex and enjoy living in Costa Rica and working on my Spanish it's awesome <laughs> that sounds absolutely beautiful. It sounds like heaven with an ocean and sticking our feet in the sand. That sounds amazing. Come visit me. I'd love to have you beautiful ladies. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) I'll definitely put that on the bucket list. Sunshine Sanctuary. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. I love that name. Yeah, so do I. So as we are uh, wrapping up Anastasia, other than at the Sunshine Sanctuary in Costa Rica, uh, where can our listeners find you and anything else you are currently working on? Those are my, uh, of course, just being the proprietor of this hotel and trying to get this book into every every hand in in the world, really. I, I am trying to translate it into Spanish and I have a children's book which is kind of the same essence. It's in a children's story. And I'm so excited about it. As excited as I am about Love Emanuel for Humanity, I am so equally or even more excited for this children's book. I am like totally on fire about it. And uh, so I'm working on publishing that now. And my daughter who's 12, about to be 13, her best friend will be illustrating it. And I'm going to give her 10% of the proceeds. So yeah, I'm, I'm uh, trying to empower young people mm. through consciousness as well. I love that. And we can add all of those links to our show notes so people can easily find you. And so thank you, Anastasia, so much for being here with us today. We've really just enjoyed this beautiful conscious conversation. So thank you for the work that you're doing in the world and, and spreading the message of love. And the work that you two are doing is absolutely inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Mm. you. Thank you for making this information available to all of us. Absolutely. It's our, it's our pleasure and absolutely our passion and purpose as well. 
And so thank you so much for listening to Be The Love Podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to our show, please share the love by sharing it with your friends, giving us a five-star written review on iTunes, or liking us on Facebook. And please consider supporting our mission to awaken our souls with special guest interviews and speak the love conscious conversations with your co-hosts, myself and Brenda. A monthly donation of $2.22 or $5.55 helps us with the operating costs of this podcast so we can continue to spread the love. To contribute, visit our Patreon website at patreon.com forward slash be the love podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes being released on Mondays and Thursdays at 5.55 a.m. Mountain Time. Thank you, Heather Lynn, for providing us with your beautiful song to accompany our show, Be the Love. If you would like to learn more about Heather Lynn and her music, please visit her website at heatherlynnmusic.com. And thank you, Christy Grace at Leading Edge Productions for the beautiful design and graphic. And thank you for tuning in. And until next time, we are souls on the journey to align to our divine purpose and shine our lights. So keep on shining.